My name is Jim Barcliffe, and I'm the pastor at Lighthouse Fellowship in League City, Texas, and we are live streaming today. Uh, this is the second time we've done this, so we hope that uh, everything will go smooth, and we hope that you will enjoy this service. I pray that this message today will be encouraging to you. We're going to live stream in the future uh, more than just the, um, just the sermon. We will live stream our services when we're able to come back in the church and uh, y'all can be a part of, of uh, our worship service. But we're glad you're here today. But first of all, I want to address this present situation with the coronavirus. Many of us have uh, really had to change our lifestyles. There are people that are sick throughout this country, and there are people that need the presence and the power of God's Spirit in their lives. And I know that all over this country and all over this world that we're praying together as one in unity, in the bond of love, to see people through this situation, to see healing take place, to see miracles take place uh, in the midst of these things that in my lifetime I've never experienced and probably you also. So today we want to pray for you before we begin exactly because you may have financial needs. It may not be the virus that's going around. You may have the coronavirus as you watch this. We pray today for you, but we want to pray. No matter what your situation is, we know Jesus is the answer. He is the one that we look to for these things. And the one thing we have for certain that we know for certain is that God hears our prayers. And so as we pray together as one, I just pray that God would, would speak to you, would touch you, uh, that he, you would be aware of his presence and that you would feel and experience his love. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. It's This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Lord, for all of those who are viewing this, uh, this time of service and this sermon and, and all of the things that are going around here in this uh, situation. We just pray and thank you for each and every one. We pray you bless them. We pray today that you would heal them, that you would strengthen them. We pray even now they would feel your power in their lives because we need you, Lord. We need you desperately. We need you, Lord, in this country today. We see things coming up, the pestilences and all the things that are happening here in this country and around the world. And Lord, we know that uh, the word of God says that before Jesus comes back, these things will happen. So Lord, help us to get ready. Help each and every one of us to really to, to prepare our hearts, Lord, to draw close to you. And Father, may your blessings rest upon those who are hearing. Give us, uh, obviously, eyes to see, ears to hear a mind to understand, and a heart to obey. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to speak on a, a, a message that I have uh, has been on my heart for some time. And uh, recently I heard a teaching on it, and it stirred my spirit to teach on this. And actually, the title of the message is The Father's Love. Uh, and it's taken from John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is actually the Lord's Prayer when Jesus prays for himself, and then he prays for the disciples, and then he prays for us. And so I would encourage you to read that whole section, the John chapter 17, and then you really feel the passionate heart of God for you as an individual. He's not out somewhere that we can't find him. He is right here with us. He's always with us. And I want to address that today because some things I believe today that uh, God wants us to experience and so I'm going to read from John chapter 17, and I'm going to read, first of all, in verses 25 through 26. And this particular scripture I'm taking from the Passion Translation. Uh, 
uh, if you want to get a Bible that really speaks passionate and all, it's certainly a word-for-word translation, but it is also very, very personal, and I would encourage you to uh, get that Bible and read it and meditate on it and uh, declare it in your life. In verse 25, read, You are, and Jesus is speaking, are my righteous Father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. In verse 26, I have revealed to them who you are and I'll continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. Last week, we talked about the Father's love. And we talked about how sometimes we have a distorted view of our Heavenly Father. We, we have a, uh, actually a false view, a faulty view uh, of our Father. And I've always recently thought about that. At various times, I, I have spoken of our Father. And when you read, obviously, what many call the Lord's Prayer is when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, when it says, and you know the beginning, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father holds a certain tone to it, a real personal tone to it that I believe God wants us to know, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. And I've known that Jesus loves me, this I know, sang it since I was a child, but there's more to our God. And, and God wants us to know in the depths of his intimacy for you and for me. Now, that's a good thing, you know, and, and uh, I, I just believe that it's something that will set people free. And in addition to what I'm saying, I've been reflecting upon the fact there are many people today who are Christians and they still are bound by things in their past, regrets and certainly uh, what could be called strongholds, regrets and, and you know, shame and guilt and, and a sense of unworthiness and so forth. And, and they place their trust in Jesus Christ, but they still carry this, I call it luggage throughout their life. And, and God never intended for us to carry this luggage. Jesus said, I came to set the captive free. And that's exactly what he does. But so many people today do not know that freedom. And so I began to search this out and began to look at it and ponder it in my heart. And I was saying, Lord, what can we do to, to experience that love, to really know the freedom that Jesus came to give each and every one of us as his children today? And I came to this conclusion because I believe that there are many sort of uh, principles that are in the word of God. And we need to apply those principles to our lives. But I believe, obviously, we need an encounter with the living God. I believe that we need to know and experience down deep in our hearts and, and to have that have a heartfelt knowledge of our Heavenly Father's love for each one of us. And as I looked at that and people were giving particular, if you call it prescriptions, to, to be free from these addictions and these other things, they all of them would wind up with the last thing they would say is they need to know the love of God. The love of God sets you free. And many of you today, maybe some of you, many of you, may not have experienced God in that way. Maybe you were raised in church and, and maybe uh, somehow you, you, you've studied the scriptures as, as we know is, are, are good and we need to do that. But you see, the scriptures are to lead us to Jesus. The scriptures there are to lead us to a person. His name is Jesus. 
and he's the one that sets us free. And so today, I pray as we go through this, I just pray that people watching this today would be set free. That's been my heart. You know, there's a song, Revival, by Robin Mark that I, I love because it just, it, it begins, it motivates me and all. And and in that, the, the passage, it says one of the particular things he says is that he's going to bring them all back home. I see that happening across this land. I see something happening, something stirring across this land. And I believe it's revival. I believe it's something happening in people's hearts and saying, I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to know God intimately, personally, and that's why Jesus came, you see. And the Father wants us to have intimacy with us, a relationship with us, and that's why we are here. It's why Jesus came, to restore us. And we've embraced things doctrinally today, but we've not experienced intimacy. And I'm not at all saying, certainly, we need to study the Scriptures to show ourselves approved, but we need to know and to meet the Lord himself. We need to have that personal encounter, a personal, uh, and it could be called a phileo experience of the love of God for us individually and personally. Many times we talk about the agape uh, love and what that means actually. And agape actually is pure and uh, <clears throat> willful and sacrificial love which we saw and was demonstrated in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the phileo love is actually generous and affectionate love. It's a personal touch in your life and my touch. And I don't know about you, when God saved me, there was a change there. And, and there was a change in my life. I realized that I was forgiven by Jesus himself. I realized that, again, that, that if I was the only sinner that I, he still would have went to Calvary for me. And I knew that in my heart of hearts. I knew that. I had experienced that because the Lord touched me in that way. I realized that, I, that God had come to set me free. But in my life, there were things that were there that, that had been there for years and had sort of taken root. And, and so over a period of time that God is beginning to, to reveal himself and his phileo love for me. And I pray that will happen to you also. And so, as I mentioned, we've embraced things doctrinally. We have that in head knowledge. We know the truth. And the Bible says, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But really down deep, the only way the freedom that he gives us is certainly to have an encounter, to know him, to intimately be touched by him. And that's the greatest thing, the greatest. I guess if you talk about we'll be delivered as a result of that. We'll be set free because when God touches you, you never forget it. He stamps it on our spirits. He deposits it, deposits it in our spirit, man. And you never are the same. You will never forget that. Maybe at times you've seen God's hand work in your life. And it was at a time when you were at desperation that you had come to the end of your rope. And maybe it was a time you were just desperate. And then all of a sudden you, you had a breakthrough. And God touched you. And he revealed himself to you. And he revealed his love for you. That's something that sets you free, his encounter, his love for us. And that's what he desires for us to have. We have a lot of head knowledge today. Have you ever heard a child call out for his or her mother? Think about it. Maybe when the child was afraid or in need or just wanted their father to come and play with them. They would cry out and say, Father, Father. That has such an intimate tone to it. It goes deeper than just sort of going through our vernacular, it actually, it's a personal touch to it that it has. Let me read this scripture to you. 
Romans 8, 15. Paul is writing to the church at Rome. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And that Abba, actually, the full meaning of that is Daddy. It's intimate, Daddy here. And so when that child cries, Daddy, this has a deep, intimate tone. I'm sure all of you have heard that, Daddy. You know, and again, your mom, Mama, Mama. You know, we cry out. Well, we have a heavenly father. We have God Almighty who obviously came down. He came down, born of a virgin so that we would know him. But Jesus said, I want you to know the father. And here he says, I want you to know that the father's love for you is the same as his love for me. Now, that completely mind boggles me. He wants you to know his love in that way. He doesn't want you to go through life. And even in the scripture in Romans 8 here, verse 15, you've not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again. You know, we have an enemy of our souls. His name is Satan. He has a demonic horde of demons that go around and constantly say, you'll never, you'll never amount to anything. And maybe as a father who really didn't demonstrate like our heavenly father, his love, Maybe you heard that saying, you'll never amount to anything. And even today, maybe you're, you're walking in that fear today because of the coronavirus. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. And so God says, you know, there's a spirit behind this when fear comes in. You know, you listen to the news today and, and everything seems to be sensationalized and all. And we start taking that stuff in before long is we're afraid and we're not to be. We're to be obviously, obviously take a responsibility and certainly be cautious, but we're not to be afraid. There is a spirit behind this and it's fear. And Satan would, would uh, certainly desire to keep you and me in bondage of this fear and this whole nation because of what's happening today. But we have a heavenly father here that obviously wants us to call him Abba Father here. And so I want to ask you the question today. How much do we experience the father's love? I was talking to a lady not too long ago, and she was going through some real challenges, very difficult things in her life and so forth. And I was counseling her over the phone. And I talked to her about, you know, the love of the Father. I, I was kept listening. I certainly did what's called active listening. But certainly I wanted to talk to her about the truth of her relationship with our Father. And I mentioned to her, and I said this, and I said, remember, the Lord is with you, and he's pleased with you. And the lady responded is, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. You know, again, I know that up here. And maybe you know that up in your, your mind today. And you know that Jesus loves you. And that's the beginning to get it doctrinally correct because he loves us and he loves us unconditionally. And so there's nothing that you can do to drive him away. But we need to know that in our heart of hearts. We need to know that tender touch from our father when we could say, Daddy God, I'm a father. It's real intimate. And that's exactly what it says in the Greek, the original language here. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. Think about it. God doesn't need us, really. Yet he sent his only begotten son into the world to give us eternal life. He came on earth knowing that he would walk on this earth. And, you know, sometimes people feel like that certainly when Jesus came, he was God. Yes, he was God and he was deity. 
but he was also human. And while he was on this earth, he did not walk in his deity. He could have done anything. He could have destroyed his opposition there, certainly. But he came in his humanity. Why? So he knows exactly what you and I are going through. God obviously would be too high and lofty in that. He, he came and walked only in his deity. But you see, God, he came in deity, but he came in his humanity, and he walked in his humanity. He walked like we're walking right now. If he was here now, and he is by his spirit, he's here with us, and knowing how would he respond to this fear that's permeating the world right now and so forth. You know, I don't believe he'd worry at all. In fact, I know he wouldn't. I know he wouldn't be afraid. I know that he would be able to go overcome them. We are the same way today, and I want to encourage you in that today. And so why would we believe that the Father would not want us to experience his love? Why? Why would we not want to experience his love? Certainly, I believe there are a couple, several reasons, and more than what I'm going to speak of today. But the first one is because we've never been taught that way. We've been, well, I've been raised in the church today, never been taught because there is something about experience that sometimes people feel like, well, we're going to go overboard about this. And, and certainly we know, we know that can be, and we need to obviously have those checks, but we also need to obviously allow God to be God in our lives. God has to be the Lord over our life and he does what he wants to do. We sometimes believe that we're God over our lives, and yet we know that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. Let him be Lord. Let him do what he wants to do, because we've never been taught that way. But the second reason here is, it's because we've been taught, again, to stay away from emotions in our experience and so forth. You know, I don't know about you, but when I'm touched down deep in my heart, no matter whether or not I know it's my Father's love, but maybe in other circumstances, is that actually I'm emotional and tears come to my eyes. Sometimes I weep as a result of being touched down in my spirit, down deep. I weep. But see, we've been taught not to show emotions. We're to stand there like, you know, statues or something. But we've been taught that way. Men have been taught directly not to show their emotions and indirectly today. And I believe the, the real reality is and the realness of a real man is that he can show emotions and know that is tenderizing his heart. Emotions have something in us. We're emotional when we obviously do other activities and so forth. Why can't we be emotional in our experience with God? You see, the third reason here is because we have strongholds. Strongholds have been built up in our lives, and we know in our thought patterns because of sin or shame and regret and guilt. Or maybe a cold father that was there. Betrayals in your life. People have betrayed us. And somehow, even indirectly, we associate this with how our God is. And he's not that way at all. He is a loving father. He, he touches us in the depths of our being. And so we have these things. We have strongholds. And they need to come down. But you see, the good thing about it is, is I believe God's doing that. I believe that God is tearing down strongholds. Second Corinthians chapter 10 talks about it tearing down all strongholds and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, tearing them down, that we can have freedom, that we don't walk around with that weight on our shoulders. You see, when you come to the Lord and you sin, maybe something you did recently or maybe way back in your past, and you come to the Father and you confess that sin 
Actually, confession means agreeing with our Heavenly Father that it is sin, confessing to Him, bringing it out in the, in the light, in the open, and you bring it before Him. You know, it's covered in the blood. But what do we do many times? We hang on to it. We hold on to it for dear life because we somehow, sometimes we can't even forgive ourselves. And yet God said when, when you ask for forgiveness, you repent, you turn, and, and you go the opposite way. It's, it's poof, it's gone. It's under his blood. He never brings it back up to uh, conf- confront us with it. He doesn't at all. And yet so often we will hold on to it. And what does it cause us to do? It causes us to be cold. It causes us to have a faulty view of God. We think our father's like that. And our Father's trying to tell us something totally different. And that's why this passion translation is so good. You know, passionately, He has the love for you and me. Think about it. You meditate on that. Passionately has a love for you and for me. You know, I was thinking, if you think about it, a little illustration. I remember one time that my wife and I, we were driving on the plains of Kansas, and we were driving towards Colorado. And I looked in the distance, and I saw these these mountains, they looked like they just rose up out of the, the plains, out of nowhere. You looked and they were like, I went, wow, look at that. You know, you're totally flat. And then you come up on those rocky mountains and, and all of a sudden they just come up and like majestic and all. And I'm thinking, well, a God of all creation put this together for our enjoyment, for our wow factor to, to touch us in the depths of our heart. Amen. He does that, doesn't he, here? So why do I preach this today? Well, real, real one simple reason. I have a heart for myself and for the church and for all people today to know this freedom that Jesus gives as we are touched by the phileo, the experiential love of our Father. I have a burden here because I want everyone to know the phileo love of God. And when we experience this love, you see chains are broken Hearts are healed, marriages are restored, guilt and shame are blown away. It transforms us. It makes us more like Jesus. Think about it. It makes us more like Jesus, and we're never the same again. We're never the same today. And so it leaves an imprint or deposit on our spirits that can never be taken away. You'll never forget it. I know at times when I've encountered the Lord, I never forget it. Never will forget it. It's there on my heart of hearts. And sometimes when I get discouraged, because everybody gets discouraged at times, is I'll remember those things. You know, David said, you know, he remembered how God had touched him. He brought back into account what God had done in his life. It's very important. It's not not all about getting our doctrines right, I want to tell you. Doctrines should lead us to a person, Jesus. Those things that encounter uh, experience with the Lord, his love for us, each one of us. John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. Jesus said, you search diligently the scriptures to find eternal life. And yet you don't come to me for eternal life. You see, we come to Jesus for eternal life. You know, when that happens, what will happen? We'll be changed. We will hear his voice more. We will want to obey him more. We will not want to do anything to grieve his spirit because then we'll know as Hebrews 13, 5 says, when Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Well, we know that scripture, but have we really experienced he is here right now with us? He's with you right where you are today. And we know that obviously we know these things, but you'll never, once you encounter him, want to know 
uh, want to, to grieve him and to disobey him. An example, an illustration of this. Look at the world today. Fear is rampant. What if everyone could hear our father say this? Listen, peace be still, my son or daughter. What if you could hear the father's voice saying, peace be still, my son or daughter? You'll be changed. It takes the fear away. It takes that fear away. And you know, today, whom the son sets free shall be free indeed, certainly. Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17. I want to read it. I'll rent it, read it from the, the NIV. How powerful this is. It's just a, a few verses. And it's actually there when Jesus was at the River Jordan was being baptized. Listen to what it says in verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water and at that he moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. <laughs> I am well pleased. You see, this completely, again, may challenge your theology, but it's true. Jesus in his humanity needed a touch from his father. Jesus was being persecuted, being rejected, being spoken about. And maybe you've had people that spoke about you, speaking about you and, and things that maybe are lies about you. Maybe you've been betrayed by a personal relationship with someone. Maybe your husband or your wife or, or your children or whatever it may be. Maybe these things today. And you know, really, Jesus was in that position. He went and he was walking in his humanity. He had rejected. He knew that not everyone would accept him. He knew that he would go through this. Well, he knew where he was headed. He knew he was going to the cross to bear the sins of all mankind. And so the same, he needed a touch. He needed God's personal touch. His father who loved him. And when he heard the voice of his father speaking, I believe he knew he was on his way. You see, his ministry there only started when after he was baptized. It started and then he, what, went for three and a half years there? Had a short time to get done what the father said. But now he accomplished a lot because he would always get alone with the father. And I believe that that he would encounter his father. He would hear his father's instructions and he would know how to do life. You see, today we've turned life into a task. We've turned it into the fact that we just got to get up and man, if I can get through this and I can get through that, whatever it may be, is that we have turned it into a task. And God never intended for this to happen. He never intended for life to be a task. Our father wants to do life with us. He said, obviously, in Psalm 23, he prepares the table before me, us in the presence of our enemies. And we may love people and we may not have any enemies necessarily in the flesh and human, but we have demonic enemies that certainly there. But what does he do? He prepares a table right there. The blessings and the benefits of walking with him. He right there prepares that. And we go in and, and obviously we, we feast upon the things that God has given us, our Heavenly Father. And let me tell you, when He prepares it, it's going to be good. 
Our Heavenly Father who loves us so much, it's going to be real good, you see. We need a filet or encounter, a demonstration of the Father's tender affection for us there. This phileo love does not keep us from trouble. We, we will go through. And Jesus' word tells us that very plainly. You'll go through. You'll be persecuted. You'll have troubles and trials and tribulations and these types of things, he said. <laughs> but, you know, look up. I, I have hope because I've overcome the world. We need that touch from the Father. The, this phileo love is not a one-time encounter when you were saved. Maybe you felt that. Maybe fireworks didn't go off, but you knew in your heart of hearts that Jesus had died for you. And we need to know that to be born again. We need to know. We know that we know that we know that Jesus died for you and for me and all of mankind. You see, He died for the whole world. The question is, have we received Jesus into our life? Have we made the decision to say, yes, I accept that, your sacrifice. You lay in your life down for me and for all the world. Ah. I put my life before you today. And I say, come into my life and save me and forgive me of my sins. I believe you are the Son of God and you came for this purpose, to die for our sin. God wants to make His presence known to us, I believe, more than we even want to know Him. I believe that in John chapter, um, in Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, verse 13, He says that you, when you seek with me of all your heart, He said, you'll find me. And so, when we lay our, our own busyness aside and our, our own uh, distractions and we begin to seek the Lord, I believe He says that we'll find Him. When we find Him, He will be awesome and wonderful to be a life-changing experience. You know, I use this illustration a lot and it makes sense to me because I like marble slab ice cream. I share it a lot. And I like chocolate Swiss with lots of almonds and all. And I like Bluebell, the Great Divide. I like that also. And I like a tasty steak, don't you? I like certainly someone who can make chicken and dumplings real well. I know that y'all do also. I like That's my personal preference, certainly here, obviously. I could look at these and say that don't they look good? Man, they look good. Man, look at that, that chocolate and that dark, that rich. It looks rich to me. Look at that. There's fresh walnuts there. But you don't know, actually, how good they are until you taste them. You don't know, actually, how good God is until you taste Him, until you experience Him. Psalm 34a says, you know, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that He is good. I've tasted Him. I've experienced Him. And what happens when you eat ice cream? I know that, obviously, you can get full of ice cream, but I like to go back for more. I know that I, I shouldn't. And I know that obviously I'm going to pay uh, the price when I stand on the scales the next morning, but I want to go back for more. I want to go back for more. And it's like never ending. My hunger for that, a hunger for steak or whatever, never changes. And that's the way it is with the Lord. You taste Him and you'll go back for more. You see, a dramatic encounter can come in many different ways. And the Father wants to be very tender with us. And He engages the emotion. We do things that interrupt His filial love for us, busyness, neglect of prayer, Bible study, and fellowship. I don't make this legalistically because God can, can come at any time. He's sovereign. He can do whatever He wants to do. But sometimes when we don't get along with the Lord, or maybe we obviously don't pay attention throughout the day, 
that our God is with us is we sometimes lose the sense, awareness of his presence. Because you see, the real battle is, is staying aware of his presence in our lives and being ready to receive in whatever way he desires to encounter us and for us to experience him, certainly. And do, again, we turn life into a task. And certainly life loses its meaning. We're meant to do life with the Father here. Our Western culture has a mindset that we can just rationalize everything. In reality, you can't think your way through everything. Some things cannot be known apart from experience. But we've been told, man, let me, let me uh, just learn a little bit more and all that. Nothing wrong with that because I went to seminary, I have a degree, have a business management degree and so forth. And nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, it is knowing God and his love for each one of us. I'll give you an illustration. When I was going to seminary and I was going to seminary at night and uh, taking different courses and I would work during the day. And I remember one time we were getting in some really heavy-duty theology, and actually we started in the book of Romans, and which is really good, a foundation for was for me, and I believe it was God-ordained. And, uh, and we were talking. It was about 40 or 50 people in the class, and the professor was talking. He was excellent and, and just think the world of him and, and all and so forth. And finally, it was getting so heavy that I raised my hand and he called on me and I said, sir, and all of you here, aren't we making this too complicated? And everybody looked and said, I think we are. You see, a child can receive the intimate touch of their father. And we should be able to do that also. But we have become very heady with that. We believe that we can rationalize our way through everything. We can think our way through it. And that's why sometimes it keeps us from God because, you know, God does things that we never expected. He can do things, whatever he wants to do. And when we surrender our lives to him, we should have the attitude, Lord, come and do whatever you want to do in my life. You are Lord of my life. When I I knew Jesus as my Savior, but I never had made him Lord of my life. I said, you come and do whatever you want to do, but I want to know you and I want to know the power of your resurrection, Lord. And God is doing that in many people's lives. Jesus had needs like we have. He never worried. And when there in Matthew 3, he heard his father say, this is my son in whom I will please. He's encouraged. Jesus had to get along with the father in fellowship and Jesus needed to experience his father's love for him to be able to fulfill the task for which he was called. And I believe that to be true for me and you. To be able to minister effectively, I need to know and experience my Father's touch in my life there. Jesus' spiritual gifts were the same that we have available also, the same here. I remember years ago, I was in a, a service with in a church where I knew the pastors well and all, and it was about 500 people there in that service. And that particular week before, uh, I was pastoring a church also, and had a connection with another church and, 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 and my brothers and so forth. And I had struggled with a particular uh, aspects of what was going on in ministry and so forth. And I, I struggled hard and, and, and just did not seem like the answer came. And so in that service that night, there was a man up there and he actually, I believe, was hearing what God was saying. And so I was sitting back and God had already spoken to me <laughs> that he was going to call me out. I said, no, that's not going to happen because I'm back here in the thick of this 500 people sitting low behind people where nobody can see me. And the pastor said, 
uh, how about you? This the man back there with this colored shirt on, and I was the only. He, I was back there in the very back, kind of, and down low. And he he called me, and some of the people around me said, "Jim, I believe he's talking to you." And I stood up, and he shared what God had spoken to him was speaking through him to me. I'll never forget it because the the concern, all the burden I had up until that point was taken away. He had heard God and it was as if God himself was speaking to me personally. I needed to hear that. I never was the same. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it because I was in distress. I was down in the dump. Maybe you need to hear God today. Maybe you need to hear. God still speaks. He speaks through his word. He speaks by the still small voice. He speaks by impressions. He can speak any way he wants to. to. He's God Almighty. So maybe you need to hear because you're walking in that bondage and you've been crying out to God and saying, I know I want to be free, Father. I want to be out of this. I pray for you today that you would have a phileo experience with the Lord. One man, one time we gave a particular needs on a sheet a paper and then came back the next night. It was a, a several nights of revival or services and so forth. I had gone and I wasn't in the same type of ministry that I was in and I was struggling with it and all that. And the man actually called my name out and began to speak about what God was going to do in my life in the future. And do you know something? He's done exactly what he said and he'll do this exactly for you also. This is our God. Our God is personal. He's intimate with us. God's voice is so tender that it provides peace in the midst of the storm. In Philippians chapter 4, you know that scripture. Don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I speak peace to you today. But you see, only your Father, only Jesus can give you that peace because the world doesn't know this peace. But if you know Jesus today, He can give you that experiential peace here. Jesus did what we were supposed to do, love people that way, minister to people, to pray for people, pray for the sick, cast out demons to do those things. He tells us that this is what we are to do. You see, God's love and presence is more real than we understand and more personal than we can imagine. Let me say that again. God's love and presence is more real. He is here. He's with you than we can understand and more personal than we can imagine. Phileo love is when God's love moves from our heads to our hearts here. An illustration. Our grandson is almost five years old. His name is Rex. Y'all have heard me. Many of you have heard me speak of him. We love him. I never knew that we would go so doty over uh, our grandson because you heard people in the past and I went, yeah, 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 you love your grandson. Well, when we had one, my wife and I, we just go doty over our grandson. And I'll tell him on a regular basis that I love him and that sometimes he'll let me kiss him on his head. But his Mimi will tell her him that and touch him. And touch is important, appropriate touch. You know, the reason why all this stuff has happened is because touch has obviously, uh, the enemy has used that to do the wrong things. And he, she can touch him and all that. But you know what really, really I've seen happens when Rex gets up and crawls into his Mimi's lap and she holds him and caresses him. 
You see the illustration and what I'm saying, the parallelism? To crawl up into our Father, our Daddy God's lap, and have a personal touch from Him. And only that touch experience that Rex has when she, he crawls up into his Mimi's lap and draws close to him and, and she hugs him and, and caresses him and holds him there. That right there will continue to somehow not just teach intellectually, but in her, his heart know that his Mimi loves him. It's the same way with us. You'll know your Heavenly Father loves you. God wants to give us good things, not just for pastors, but for all of his children. So in lieu of this message, let me ask you a question. What do you do? If you've listened today and you want to experience the Father's love for you, how do you receive that? I want to share with you, all of you probably, many of you, we've used this, but I love this song. And it's Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. And I'm going to read it very quickly, but listen to the words of it because this is who God is in our lives. And Corey writes this song, then it's to music also. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You've been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. And then he goes on, there's no shadow you won't light up or mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. No lie you won't tear down coming after me. That's our God. What he's saying here is that obviously that God, when Corey explains certainly about this, he says, when I use that phrase, the reckless love of God, I'm not saying that God obviously is reckless himself. But he's saying, however, that the way he loves, the way, in many ways, quite so, his love bankrupted heaven for you. His love isn't selfish or self-serving. That says it all, doesn't it? He wants to do good things to us. He wants to give us these things. And so I want to ask you the question, if the enemy has come in today uh, in your life, maybe it was before you were a Christian. Maybe it was been after. Maybe it was last night. Maybe it's right now. The enemy's coming in and he's taunting, saying, You'll never make it. You know, you need to walk in this shame and you need to walk in this guilt. And you need to obviously just sort of throw in the towel on this Christian, so called Christian walk. I want to tell you today, there's hope for you. And I believe today that by the Word of God and by the power of His Spirit that He'll do something very special in each one of you. And I believe it's very soon. I believe that breakthroughs are coming. I believe that you've looked and said, you know, my family has rejected me. They're not walking with the Lord. I've prayed and prayed and prayed and, and somehow I, I just want to give up on it. I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Keep on praying. 
Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, I want to read it to you. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 7 through 11. Let's see here. Yeah. Through it, huh? It's only. Okay. Here it is. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give you a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Amen. You ask. Much of what happens in the kingdom of God happens by us asking him. By us asking and keep on asking. He heard you the first time. But something happens when you obviously ask and ask. You see in the Greek, it's continuous action. We ask and we keep on asking. And I want to encourage you today to ask that touch from the Father's heart. Some people would say, yeah, but you're asking for experience. No, not necessarily. I'm not asking that. I'm asking when you seek God, you want to know God. And you want to know him because we know the Bible talks that he wants us to walk in his fullness. He wants you and I just where you are. And it's not just for ministers. It's for the body of Christ. God, by his spirit, is doing that across the church today, setting people free, people coming with a deep hunger for God, a deep desire to know him more intimately. You see, because there's more to God than we've experienced. There's so much more. He's so big. He's so awesome. He wants, and he says, if you ask, he's not going to fool you. He's not going to somehow do things to you in a way that would be negative or sometimes punish you. He wants you to know him. So I'd encourage you today to ask him, to seek him, and to knock and find him. He will. He'll open the door. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, then I'll come and sup with him and he with me. You see, what he's saying here, if you open your heart today, he'll come in and he'll have that intimate relationship with you and with me and for all who will ask. And so I encourage you today to ask. And so uh, I just pray today that God would stamp his presence on your life, that he would deposit something so rich in you that we know that this old world and the enemy of our souls can never take away. We'll never be the same. I pray that today in Jesus' name. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word, which is truth. We thank you for your presence here at this place, your presence for all with, with all who are seeking you, who are, are viewing this live stream today. We ask you today, Father, that you would touch everyone. And I pray, Father, if there be any need in the people who are listening today, that, Father, you would touch them at the point of that need and they would recognize that you're real personal, that you desire for us to be touched by your love. 
and your grace. So, Father, bless them. We pray you bless this nation. We ask for a revival and awakening across this land and our churches, dear Lord. We pray for awakening in our families, a restoration of relationships, people coming back together. And we're asking you, Lord, just as that song says, that you bring them all back home. May Jesus be forever praised. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for viewing. We'll have a live stream next week, same time, 11 o'clock and all on this. And uh, as Lighthouse Fellowship uh, dot info, you can come in, tune in with us, tell all your friends and family and anybody else would like to share. We'll have an encouraging, uh, encouraging message for, for you to next week. May God bless you and have a blessed week. Amen.